Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and this week's Mind Key is on how to build life-changing relationships. This is part of a series I'll be doing because I'm working actually on a new book around uh, this concept that networking is dead. Uh, in my view, I think there's there's a lot of antiquated systems from the, the 20th century, and I think the way that we go about quote-unquote networking is one of them. And so I wanted to share some tools because one of the questions I get asked most on other podcasts is, you know, really about how do I, how did I get connected to some of these the folks that we've worked with, for example, with Global Citizen or Dalai Lama event, and I kind of share some of the principles that I think are not necessarily common sense, but once you uh, hear them really make sense in the context of a new paradigm in going about building relationships. So in this episode, I'm going to share five of my key steps to building life-changing relationships in the 21st century. So the first thing I really want to mention is that Harvard concluded the longest longitudinal study of its kind. And in this research, it was demonstrated that the single greatest corollary to your long-term health and happiness is the caliber of your long-term relationships. So if you think about that, in many ways, our greatest wealth uh, is, well, time is our finite resource, and, and health, the health we have uh, and the relationships that determine our health and the exponential caliber that a relationship can mean in regards to the virtue and value of our experiences during our limited time on this earth. I think that we all know that there are certain relationships in our life that have been unequivocally exponential in terms of the downstream consequence of knowing and nurturing and being in relationship with that person. And so I think as we think about, you know, how we want to lead and live our lives, it's imperative to think about who are the friends that make up our garden. Uh, my mother used to say to me, you know, friends are like plants, they need to be nurtured. And I like the analogy of the garden because another friend of mine, Preston Smiles, uh, talks about basically the soil. And, you know, we all have the same intelligence and the same sort of imprint in the seed. But the main re reason a tree will grow to a certain height, whether that be three feet or whether that be hundreds of feet, is really around the richness and diversity and nutrients in the soil. And so, it, you have to really think about your the caliber of the nuances of your relationship being like that soil and the quality of that soil really leading to the degree to which we can all grow. And so thinking about your relationships in your life, who are the people that are leading to the greatest growth? So I want you to start with that question. Now, I'm going to get into some of the, uh, the tenants that I've utilized to build some of the most life-changing relationships in my life that I think you can apply in your own life. So I'll break that down into five key principles. The first principle is to create a vision larger than yourself and to lead with giving. The reason we were able to build Global Citizen the way we were able to build it is because we, we started with a vision much bigger than ourselves. It wasn't about us. It was about building a movement to end extreme poverty. 
Now, you may not be building a movement to end extreme poverty, but you can think about the virtues and values in your own life that you are a stand for and really think about ways in which you can create something that's bigger than yourself that you can get people to align to. The reason we were able to be successful with Global Citizen was because we declared a huge vision. At the time, there were 1.3 billion people living in extreme poverty, which is a condition under which people live under $1.25 or its equivalent per day around the world. And that enabled us to attract an incredible caliber of musician and influencer that were aligned with, with doing something for the planet, for our shared humanity. And, uh, you know, year one, we had the Black Keys, Foo Fighters, Neil Young, John Legend sang Imagine, and we were able to leverage a stage for very significant commitments. But the reason we were able to do that was because it was about something bigger than ourselves. There's a couple of uh, adages I think you've likely heard, but one is you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And the other one I love is if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And so as you think about that, think about who's in your virtual room and who you'd like to have in your virtual room. And if, if there's folks that you feel could have an exponential impact on your leveling up in your life, think about the types of things that they value, the types of causes they find powerful. And think about how you could give or create a vision that they could align to such that it would add profound value to their life and and, and really deeply dive into the possibility of where you can be a giver and a stand for something bigger than yourself. You know, there's there's no way we would have been able to attract the likes of Beyonce, Jay-Z if we were just like, hey, will you come to my party? But the, the scale and size of your vision in some ways uh, determines the scale and size of the folks who will align around it. So really think about what you're up to, what your vision is, and who are the people that would be of greatest consequence in your ability to build that vision. And think about their alignment to that vision and really build from that place, which leads to the second principle. Find the place where altruistic interest and your self-interest align. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, we're all looking to lead first with giving, but generally speaking, if you're up to a big vision, you also have self-interest. Now, the magic comes in the win-win paradigm. A lot of times culturally and societally, we're we're sort of socialized with this win-lose competitive paradigm. I can only win if you lose. But I think the new stage thinking is only doing win-win paradigms. And one of the ways to build your vision, uh, again, if you, especially if you're, if you're building something bigger than yourself and you're leading with giving, is to find a way where that altruistic interest aligns with your self-interest. So I'll give a cogent example. Global Citizen, we were able to build the platform we were able to build because we found people who were aligned with that vision. For example, year one, which was serendipitous, Neil Young signed on. Uh, And we had part of our interest was to run a campaign around polio eradication. Many people didn't know, but he had had polio as a small child. So basically finding things that are deeply personal to people is is something that may align to both their personal and self-interest. 
Uh, take it another way, you know, Global Citizen was really about a bigger cause. It's a nonprofit. It's charitable. Uh, and I have tons of charities reach out to me saying, hey, how can I do X, Y, and Z? And I think you will find people who will commit just because they believe in the cause. However, I think one of the ways to strengthen that vision is to find ways in which it's also in the self-interest of the parties you are reaching out to. So, for example, you know, with Alicia Keys, she had a charity that was very aligned with what we were up to. And so it's a lot easier to approach someone where they've already demonstrated a shared value. Secondarily, I would say thinking about platform, for example, to stay in the example of Global Citizen, you know, we were saying, hey, we'd like you to perform, you know, and donate your time for this cause. But it was also in their enlightened self-interest. How so? Well, the Beatles had never performed the Great Lawn. The Stones had never played the Great Lawn. It was an absolutely marquee, uh, iconic stage. And we had one of the largest, if not the largest, syndicated broadcasts of its kind. Front page, New York Times, AOL, Yahoo. And it was basically over 15 million viewers. And so you're, you're kind of aligning and saying, hey, would you do this for this cause? But also, by the way, you'll be on an amazing stage, iconic location, and it'll be seen by millions and millions of people. Now, smaller examples of that could be whatever vision you are up to, just think about ways in which you can align both the, the, the bigness of that vision with something that is in the, in the, in the aligned self-interest of the person you are reaching out to. So, so think about you know where is that self-interest. Interestingly enough, I just had someone this very morning reach out to me on LinkedIn and it was a very a clear example of someone who thought about leading by giving and also what would be in my self-interest. And he reached out and he said, I just listened to your podcast with Chris Ryan. I was, I was really moved and inspired by it. It made me think about how much I love connecting. And he gave three companies that he thought would be aligned as potential sponsors for my show. Now, that's very different from the majority of messages I get, which are like, hey, you know, one, not personal at all. They likely just copied and pasted, you know, hey, love to work with. And it's like general. We all get these emails, you know, general definitely was not written for me, custom and, uh, you know, just kind of a spray and pray approach. And then others where it's like, hey, love to pick your brain, but you have no idea what they want from you. And it's definitely them leading with their interest. This person led with, hey, I've listened to your work. He spent the time, thought about it, and didn't ask for anything. He actually led with giving, and I wrote him back literally within you know two minutes of reading the message. Um, so I think that's an excellent example of thinking about how to both lead with giving and then align self-interest with your greater altruistic interest. So that's principle number two. The third principle is to find the signal amidst the noise. What do I mean by that? Well, in this 21st century living, we're all besieged by so much noise. You know, we have our cell phones, there are screens all over uh, all over the place vying for our attention. And, you know, everyone's trying to multitask. Just having someone's designated time in and of itself is often a challenge. So, there are many different channels in which we can outreach and connect with people. But the imperative and important thing is to find wherein you can create signal amidst the noise. So what do I mean by that? Well, to get very tactical, think about the fact that we're all besieged by email. 
Um, we, you know, we get hundreds of messages a day and most of them are a waste of time. Um, so if I'm outreaching to someone, if possible, I try to find a way not to email someone. Now, this isn't always easy, uh, but generally speaking, if I can find, you know, for example, Instagram, you can even message people. What are, what are less common channels or channels that are more associated with um, a pleasant experience? So my preferred ways are I like to do handwritten notes because I find that most of the time the physical mail is highly underutilized. And most people associate ma- uh, the mail now with with bills, etc. So, you know, when they get a handwritten note that's just about gratitude, it's it's uh, it's epic. So, I actually make a practice of writing thank you notes on a daily basis to just build and nurture relationships and find people with a bit, bit of signal where they no- normally are are receiving noise. Secondly, I love video messages because um, if you're going to send a text, people are used to text. But if you send a voice note or a video note, it generally stands out. Plus, it creates a little bit more resonance where people can put a face to the name. I, I just recently uh, heard from Elliot Biznow at Summit, who's a master uh, super connector, that he'll now video message people almost exclusively using Instagram. So. Think about ways in which you can create signal in the noise. Ostensibly, the way I like to think about it is like, are you being musical? You know, are you singing your song? So finding ways in which you can you can uh, leverage your unique expression, your unique voice to create a musical moment with someone else. Number four, the cascade effect. The principle behind the cascade effect is really to create exponential value. So the cascade effect goes to not only maximizing time, but also creating exponential value. So, you know, I live in Los Angeles. Getting anywhere usually takes anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour. And doing one-on-one meetings also with the possibility of someone canceling uh, can lead to frustration. Whereas with the cascade effect, you think about creating events or experiences that add not only value to one-on-one connections, but to all parties concerned. So what I love about events like a dinner party or a hike is you can uh, invite all of the different folks that you might be interested in meeting or people that have reached out to you on LinkedIn or email. And instead of taking a coffee meeting where you don't know the result, you can invite them all into one experience. And the benefit of that is if you have rapport, say you do dinner. I know uh, Neil Strauss does this. He'll have a dinner on a Tuesday night. And if you develop a real rapport with someone, you can invite them for uh, drinks after. So it's a way to almost also filter through the people with whom you have the greatest rapport. Another thing is you can do a hike. Uh, Tim Ferriss recommends this. And the benefit of that is you're doing something cool and outdoors. If you don't necessarily have a rapport with one person, they will likely have rapport with someone else who you've invited on the hike. And you're also adding value to everyone else who's at that meeting because you're curating and becoming a linchpin or a node that is connecting other people in valuable ways within the context of your community. So that creates a whole cascade wherein you're not only connecting with one person that may be of value, but actually creating with multiple people at the same time, 
both saving time and creating exponential value, and all the other people that are there will likely find others, even one you may not resonate with, where they create rapport with each other because of the magnitude of the, the folks that have all come together to gather. So think about events and experiences that you can invite people into. doesn't have to be expensive. could be a hike. A friend of mine, Craig Clements, used to do Monday nights with Thai food for people that were in his industry. And think about ways in which you can be a node for value creation that cascades down. Just remember to continue to be a source of value. If you're a source of value and a node that is connecting others and introducing them to epic people and epic experiences the results will compound in your life. Not because that's why you're doing it, but just because that is the nature of cause and effect. If you lead with giving and you lead with experiences and you lead with connecting people to other people that will have profound effects on their life, you will be seen and remembered and appreciated for being that node and people will want to reciprocate. There's a law of return there. So be the node and the cascade effect follows. Now that said, the fifth principle is to give without expectation. So while if you lead with giving, there will likely be many downstream cascades uh, that will impact and lead to great value in your life, it should not be quid pro quo. So you should not be giving, thinking about, oh, how is this going to come back to me? Uh, you, as Keith Ferrazzi says, you don't want to keep score. It's not, a, it's not a quid pro quo, I'll do this, you do that. It's I want to just continue to be a giver without needing anything in return. Gary Vaynerchuk says this. He says, I have no expectations from anyone. In other words, he simply wants to add valuable content, and that's led to obviously profound value in his own life and business. But he's not doing it waiting for the shooter drop, waiting for the other person to reciprocate. Uh, and some people, frankly, won't, but that's okay. It's about how can I give unconditionally? You know, we've all been at those conferences where we're, you know, talking to someone and they're checking out our name badge and then they're looking over our shoulder to see who else is there that they could talk to. And that is a withdrawal in the, in the relationship bank account. You want to be a depositor. You want to keep depositing uh, to people without worrying about whether or not you can withdraw back. Because people who are only oriented in withdrawals ultimately go bankrupt. And so in this, although I don't love the expression relational capital, uh, you want to be basically someone who is depositing frequently. And so basically you want to be you want to be the source of value and you want to be seen as a giver and a connector. And if you do that and you do that without expectation of return, the results are oftentimes profound. So lead with giving and lead without any expectation of that giving being reciprocated. Be a person of generosity and be a connector. And if you are seen as such, I promise you uh, the results will be profound, not because you're coming from that expectation, but just because that's a, that's a universal law. There's a law of reciprocity. When you do things for people, there's an innate part of them that wants to find ways to support you. 
Now, I will also draw a distinction there generally oftentimes givers and takers. <laughs> and if you find that you give, give, give and someone is only take, take, taking, you may want to look at that relationship and see if that's actually uh, something that's nurturing your growth, if that's soil that's, uh, that's, that's rich and fertile, or if that's, a, a, for lack of a better term, a weed that's draining the soil, which, which you're constantly sort of fertilizing with your good deeds, your giving, your, your, your offerings. So you do want to be maintaining your soil and planting seeds that, uh, that, that nurture a, a biodynamic permaculture garden if you will and if you find that you're you're giving 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 to someone that's only take take taking that's what i would call a weed and you want to look at uh, de-weeding and keeping that soil very nurturing so that you can grow as my mom would say friends are like uh, plants they need to be nurtured and if you nurture your friendships well and your connections it turns into a beautiful garden so I hope you found value in that, my friends. Uh, if you did, please go ahead and leave a five-star review on iTunes. It means the world to me, and it also helps us grow this community. Uh, please go ahead and share this episode with someone that you think would find value. And also, please hit me up on uh, Instagram, at Michael Trainer and let me know what some of your most powerful uh, tools are for building relationships and community. Um, as I mentioned, I'm writing a book, and if I utilize uh, one of your tips, I'll likely incorporate it in the book and credit you. Um, but either way, I would just greatly appreciate it. So hope you found a lot of value. I really love this podcast and this community. So grateful for you. And with that, please go out there and live your inspired life.